It was about the story of the talents. Um, except we think that the word means, uh, which it would come much later, evolving to also being ascribed to like having abilities or etc. talents and so forth. But a talent was a monetary uh, description. It was like talking about a weight of like silver or gold. Anywhere from what we know today is like 70 to probably like 130 pounds. Okay? One talent was worth 15 years of a laborer's wages. So you can imagine what that is. Okay? You can multiply it. And keep in mind they worked six days a week back then, not, not five. So multiply, that's a good, that's a good amount. That's a good amount. And the king here, the master, he leaves his servants and he gives them each according to their ability. So the, the, the point is, what does the talent symbolize in that way? Something of great value. Something of great value. And in the mindset of scripture, there's something very important that, uh, and I think we don't understand that here in our our. American dream system because it's like the one who dies with the most toys wins and that we're just getting for ourselves and ourselves and ourselves. There's a saying that goes, the one you can only take with you what you give away in that way. And this is the same kind of thing. So if the talent, something very heavy, something very valuable, and so on and so forth, anyway, the, the talent is something that symbolizes also something else. The word in Hebrew, kabod, the kabod Yahweh, the kabod Yahweh, which translates into doxa in Greek, or the glory of God. But kabod was something substantial, something that you, you know, had a heavy weight to it. That the, the, the glory of God was something like heavy in a good way. Heavy in the sense that, not just wispy, but something very, very much that would ingrain itself into our physical being in that way. And we know in, in John's Gospel when Jesus talks about when he prays the night before he dies with the apostles, he asks his father that the glory that God had shared with him before the time you know, of creation and so on and so forth is the glory that through Jesus is being shared with us. The Kabod Yahweh. And the question becomes then in this parable, how do we share the glory of God, the mercy of God, the love of God with others. Because if you try to hold on to it, that's not good. That's not good. You know, it's like breathing. If you try to hold your breath, you can only do it for so long. In order to live, you have to be able to not only inhale, but exhale. If you don't exhale, that means you're dead. That means you're dead. And what Jesus is talking about here is for the idea that people who don't share, share within, now this parable is within a string of other parables and so forth, where Jesus is talking about his return. And he's talking about what it means to be church and so forth. And I think this is something that we forget in our culture because we think of church and religion as something I go to, attend to, go through some ritual, Maybe feel good, here's some nice self-help tips, and so on and so forth. But being a Christian is not just simply cerebral assent that God exists and Jesus 
is the Son of God, which is part of what it means to be church. If you don't believe this stuff, then you know, it's like a, somebody who says they want to be a doctor, but they don't believe in medicine at all. Okay? That would be ludicrous. But it's not just belief, it's the practice, it's the life, and what it means to be church, because church is the base from which the giving takes place and goes out to the rest of the world. It's the, the foundational base. And we see this in the previous feast that we celebrated, the, the Papandi, the meeting of the Lord in the temple. Remember when he's 40 days old and so forth? Joseph and Mary bring J Jesus and, and the Virgin Mary to the temple to offer sacrifice for her purification and so on and so forth. And before that, when Jesus was eight days old, he was circumcised. And who was he circumcised by? It actually would have been Joseph. The father of the, the child would do the circumcising. Okay? My point is that, number one, Jesus comes from a home base. Number two, the people at the home base had responsibilities to taking care of this child and and bringing him up to be what he was meant to be. They weren't just hanging around. They weren't just, you know, we'll get, get a babysitter. They were responsible for what was going to be taken and shared with the rest of the world. And when they bring Jesus the 40 days to the temple, and we have the elder Simeon who recognizes the promise of God fulfilled, that he, he says now, Lord, now, Master, I can die. Now I can die, because my eyes have seen your salvation, which you prepared before the face of all people, a light to enlighten the nations, that there be the glory of your people, Israel. Now, for those of you who are no orthodox practice, when we call what we call a churching of a baby and the prayers for the mother after giving birth, right? The churching of the baby, you rem you hopefully you know, is where you, the child is taken forward to the altar. And then when they get to the altar, they stop and they turn around. And when the child gi is given back by, by the priest to the parents, okay, and this is important because the, the child is given to the priest by the parents, at the end of the church. Then when the prayer is done, the priest turns around and gives back the child to the parents and he says the same prayer or the same thing that Simeon said, Master, now your servant may depart in peace because my eyes have seen your salvation. That each one of us who is to be baptized and is baptized is supposed to reach the potential of being the presence of Jesus to the rest of the world. That's why we baptize kids. Not because Yaya wants it, or Uncle Andoni wants it, or it's a thing to do, but to raise that child, train up that child, to partner with God, to take responsibility for their faith, and share that with the world around them from the base of what we call the church. The way Jesus comes out of the base of the family that he comes from. And I think this is important to understand that each of us has a vocation within the church, based within the church, going out to the rest of the world. That Christianity, being a Christian, being an Orthodox Christian, is not just coming and warming a seat, taking communion, and then going back to your real life. The idea is that real life is laced and present with God himself in us. That's what this is about. 
no matter what we do to what abilities we have, God will use it and, and, and so forth. But I think this is important because, just as a sidebar here, you know, people will come and they want their child baptized. And the question is, will the child be raised in the church? Baptism is not magic. It's not magic. Just like going through a marriage ceremony, if the, if the couple's not going to stay together, what are we doing? Right? It, in, it needs a responsibility by the parents, the godparents, people having faith and understanding the base from which they're going to raise that child. See, and, and this is not the way we... Because, you know, the good old days, you go to the priest, he'll do whatever sacraments you want, kind of like a sale at the mall, and so forth. And that's one of the reasons we're losing... Let me just share something real quick as a sidebar, not just because of this alone. More people are joining churches and religions that have clear boundaries, that are very clear that you have to take responsibility for your participation and your life in that religion. Sadly, I heard somebody say, this is years ago, but I heard this say, become Orthodox, you don't have to be responsible for anything. You know, Papu came years ago and blah, 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 and because you're Greek or because you're Russian or because you're Serbian or whatever, you're a shoo-in. Just come and blah, blah, blah. But it doesn't work like that. God has no grandchildren. Every generation has to take the responsibility. Orthodox, in their theology, make a big deal about this thing called synergia, cooperating with God, co-working with God. And that's what we're invited to. Why? Because we are the faith that says God came down and took on our human reality into himself. God shares totally of himself in the person of his son, gives of himself totally, invests of himself totally in order to defeat death and to help us realize our full potential of what it means to be human in the end. Because that's the goal of spirituality, to become fully human. And human is defined by Jesus. You want to know what love is? Look at Jesus. You want to know what it means to be human? Look at Jesus. And you want to know the destiny of each one of us? All our children is to become Jesus. And that doesn't mean we don't do other things in life. That doesn't mean you go off and everybody become a monk. But there's this other goal in mind that, and having grown up with a father that fought in World War II in Greece and fought with uh, the guerrillas, okay, and worked in the underground. You know, at the time the Nazis occupied Greece, and it was pretty horrific, but at the time they occupied Greece, people still went to work, kids still went to school, Parts of normal life kept happening. But most of the people said, we're working for something beyond this. We're working for something beyond this. And we're putting our lives, we're investing even our lives in this. And that's what the gospel is. And what we hear from St. Paul today, of all the things he went through, shows what he was willing to invest in. And the reason he does it, it's not because he's a masochist or any of us are, or the great saints are masochists. It's because this is worth fighting for. Kind of like when you, I, I remember I did a funeral once for a woman who was only in her 40s who died of cancer. And her daughter 
was about to go to medical school. And people are saying to her, you know, honey, when you go to med school, you'll find something like to defeat this cancer, this horrible disease. Well, that's what we're all about. We're here to defeat, see the defeat of death that Jesus already accomplished, the defeat of isolation, the defeat of hatred, the defeat of, of fear, the defeat of all those things take place even with and among us. And we're willing to make that investment. Whether it be money, time, etc. Or talent in the sense of abilities. Because God gives his child. And, and I think that's the final thing to understand. And this is the big deal at Holy Week and the big deal in the church. That God thinks we're worth the life of his child. Any of us have children. Can you imagine this? Your child comes to you and says... That guy down the street needs a heart transplant, and I'm the perfect match. Right? Yeah, but that guy's a jerk, honey. He's, he's an idiot. He makes fun of us. and they, I know, I know, I know. But it's the only way we can save his life. That's why we, we can never outgive God. But the thing is that the, what the great saints were about is seeing how much God gives still. And we're willing to mirror that giving to the rest of the world. And that's the meaning of church. Because any bufo can light a candle. But not everybody prays. Not everybody understands the love that's being given to us constantly. So may God have mercy on all of us and enlighten us because we get so caught up in the rat race that we forget the reality of him here where he manifests himself in this place in a way that he doesn't come in other places. Right? Like Thanksgiving dinner. You could eat a turkey sandwich, but it's a different thing to get together and have a turkey dinner with people. Same kind of thing. There's something that happens here that serves as a basis from which then we can step out into the world around us with Jesus. (laughs) 